0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Bench Units Podcast. Uh, I am back here as always with Mark Schofield, and we're going to talk about EuroLeague too. How's it going, Mark?
1: Good, man. You didn't say your name this time. People might be wondering who you are. You know, uh, process calls. of elimination. I think
0: they'll figure it out. I
1: normally do your intro and then say um and then introduce yourself as if that's the bit you can never quite remember.
0: Yeah, I I actually just didn't remember it this time. Maybe that was the problem. No, I still haven't figured out how to intro podcasts. I think we're all right at it once we get going and you're like, speak for yourself. I'm good in the beginning. (laughs) I don't know. I feel like having a scripted intro is cringy, (laughs) even though anyone listening to this is probably like, for God's sake, would you streamline it once?
1: Even though everyone's listened, there's been like every time you guys each have a sentence, you just churn out and then you go into the episode. It basically is a scripted intro, but not written down. Yeah. My intro
0: is just like complaining that I don't have a bit yet is a bit <laughs> like, but anyway, so we're gonna talk about EuroLeague One and we're gonna talk about EuroLeague two in separate podcasts. This is the EuroLeague 2 one. You found it. It'll probably say Euroleague 2 or Euro Cup 2, probably. Um, so yeah, if you're looking for Euro Cup one coverage, you've come to the wrong place. <laughs> but you've
1: got about a minute in, so this counts as a listen by now. So do as you like, move on if you want. Count it. Yeah. All right. Cool. So EuroLeague 2
0: was a bit weird as <laughs> previewed by Mendel the other the other day. That was Thursday. That's on our coffee account. Go check it out. Um, but it was five teams, just like group style round robin tournament, which I absolutely hated, but (laughs) I guess needs must when you have teams drop out and you don't do qualifiers and COVID kind of inhibits your ability to run a normal tournament, but just getting to the Sunday and not having a final was a bit grim.
1: Yeah. Agree. Because I think wasn't it the
0: case of red dragons who won the whole thing, uh, which we haven't mentioned yet, would have needed to lose by about a million. And even then, I'm not sure it would have been enough.
1: So the um the way this happened was first of all, Mendel was on here last week, as James said, go check that out on our coffee account if you haven't done already. And if you would be so inclined, feel free to chuck us a quid for our troubles. Thank you to two people most recently who have literally donated a quid because it's funny that we say that and people take that literally. No, hey, no, I love it. I love it. Any Every little helps. Yeah,
0: agreed. Um, also, it's like the first, like there's, now we're getting people who I don't, I'm not 100% sure who they are donating, which is kind of nice, rather than just our friends being like, here's a fiver, stop asking. Like when you're raising money for charity in school for some reason, and your friends like, if I give you 50p, will you
1: go? Yeah, yeah, so anyway, if you listen to that episode, you'll find that one thing Mendel was altogether too diplomatic to say was that Red Dragons were heading to a tournament where they were head and shoulders above the competition, I think is the very blunt way to put that. Um, Mandel talked a lot about the fact they were opening the tournament against Lepui, who ended up finishing second. And I think this tournament was Red Dragons in a tier of their own, Lepui and Sassery in a second tier, and then KKTC. And um, I can't remember the Polish team's name all of a sudden, uh, KS Pactum. They were kind of in a bottom tier. So by the time... Red Dragons had beaten Lapui by 20 in the first game and Lapui then beat Sasserie by 30, which I would have thought would have been closer than that. It came out that for the end result of the tournament to be up to any kind of question would have taken Sasserie to beat Red Dragons by 51. Oh, wow. And set the three-way tie off. So it quickly became apparent that wasn't going going to happen in any sense.
0: But... Yeah. 51's a lot, man. Even <laughs> teams that blow teams out. Like 51 is a lot. But yeah. Do you have any specific observations about Red Dragons versus Le 7454? 74-54 it was, I think?
1: Yeah. yeah. I, I can't quite get over the fact that Le Puy don't seem to have as much identity as I feel like they should. Got, yeah, you mean like do Malik teams normally like is, is it that or? Yeah, I think, well, I think they made because obviously France opened up this year to allow more international players, right? Because the old French league uh, rule used to be you could only have three or four internationals. Yeah. And Malik's obviously been there for a year already. And then this rule's opened up and it's played right into his hands because he might be the most, hey, I used to coach this guy, coach anywhere in the world. <laughs> dial people in uh um, the doc
0: the doc rivers
1: yeah <laughs> that i coached this guy or this guy
0: had a good game against me eight <laughs> years ago this guy had seven off the bench nine years ago yeah. i'm more making fun of doc rivers now i'm not making fun of malik at this point i'm making fun of doc rivers but yeah you know.
1: uh, yeah i don't know it felt like they kind of got all his usual speed and uh, they've obviously had zua shell out there for ages they got uh joachim limblom in And kind of went a bit more mids heavy than Lapui had been. And they just don't really play like it. Because in theory, any team that Malik coaches that loves to fly around and run motions offense should have matched up pretty well with the Red Dragons Dutch heavy offensive model. And I just, I don't know if it's lack of shooting because they definitely have the size inside with um, ZD. And um, I can't remember the other Algerian guy's name. Damani. Manny, that's the one. Um, yeah, it felt like they should have been able to leverage that because Red Dragons only really play one inside big, but Lapuid didn't really have that or didn't have a weapon to go to. And yeah, Red Dragons just kind of know what they do well enough that if a team is struggling with their own identity, they're probably going to spend a lot of the game playing catch up to. I think Red Dragons basically roll off the bus and just do their thing every game at this point.
0: Yeah, like we asked the question of like, is this being the Dutch national team starters minus one guy going to help? <laughs> and I guess when it comes to having an identity in a weekend tournament, yes, for sure. Um, but yeah, also just like met like Red Dragons came out and pressed these guys at one point, which I was like not expecting. Not that they don't have the mobility, like you play Mendel, who's a quick four, you play two mobile threes. Um, Bandera and Frank can hold their own, but I was not like this guy, these guys. I would not have put their strength in a full court pressing lineup, but
1: yeah, that yeah.
0: really shocked me. They brought it out in both of the sort of the games against the second and third place team in the end. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And I wonder if that's a Yosef thing.
1: Yeah, potentially. Yeah. I mean, it, it, Mendel kind of touched on um, we're tilting from Le Puy to Red Dragons here, but. Mendel kind of touched on the fact that Josef's had some new ideas and whatever and I think this tournament has kind of left it as a TBC as to how much of an impact Josef's had because I think you just looked at the talent disparity here and were like Red Dragons probably could have shown up with you know kid off the street coaching them and probably have had a shot in these games. That's not a a criticism of Josef in any way or of their former coach who obviously has parted ways with them but yeah. you struggle to it's imagine cool. anything could have held them back enough that they would have struggled in these games.
0: Yeah, or of other teams. I think they're just like, these guys are talented and obviously a lot of them play together Yeah, for, and have done for a long time. And there are a lot of smart guys on that team as well, which I think helps, but
1: yeah.
0: yeah, they were just like head and shoulders above. Like, as I said, they were the two games that I was wondering if they were going to be sort of close enough and kind of neither of them were in the end. I think part of it as well is you're pressing in those games because it's just a straight-up, like, group stage. Like, it's just a league table, like a round-robin. Yeah. So if you can smash someone, like, you know, they the Red Dragons ended up beating um, Le Puy by 20, and they beat so by 23, I about, think it was yeah, 23, yeah. which matters a lot. Maybe if it was a straight knockout. You pull the press off or whatever, but I don't know. I could like there were games that they were just pressing against other teams to run layups and And I was like, I wonder what oh yeah, that makes sense.
1: Never mind. Yeah. But yeah, and I think I mean we're we're doing this kind of tournament coverage. I think we're really just talking about teams as we go through because we don't want to go through box scores of multiple teams over a weekend because we're just going to end up talking about the same points. But I think you kind of see it in it Le Puy was interesting because we talked about or oh, i mentioned the fact they don't play like they really know their own hierarchy or priorities and it kind of that i think that became apparent when they kind of beat the weaker teams incredibly easily which was no great accomplishment in this tournament given that the uh, polish and the turkish teams were a fair way behind the other three guys but I think you kind of see it in Lapui even getting comfortable against Sassari, who's. That's identity. what I was
0: going to say. That's the bit that surprised me.
1: Yeah. I wonder if it's the fact that Sassari were pretty slow and that maybe Lapui don't have an identity outside of we try and play faster than other guys and that didn't hold up against Red Dragons.
0: Yeah. I guess being able to leverage your mobility against um, Sassari and being able to leverage your mobility against um red dragons are different things. Yeah. Like, you know, if, if you're saying can I play can I play fast and can it work against a team that plays two bigs, two ones and a three versus um four four mids under one. Like that's that's a different that's a different ask. So yeah. it kind of makes sense in that way in the sort of like styles make fights sort of thing. But
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Um, But I was surprised that that was a 30-point game. Like, I would have thought it would have been Red Dragons 1, Lepui Sardinia, um, Lepui Sassari, sorry, sort of 2A and 2B. Yeah. I thought that would have been a game, but kind of surprised. Yeah,
1: that one was probably the most surprising result because I think it was tough to gauge Sassari at all because they opened the tournament against um, KS Pactum, and it was... Like they were slow to come out, but then Gary Blue and uh, De Miranda got rocking, and it was like, okay, these guys really might be trouble. Gary Blue is the most clunky player I've ever seen who is still really effective. He pushes his chair and handles the ball like they're like they alternate between being lighter and heavier than he expected, and he's like super out of control. And then he just gets the edge of the key, and he's like, it's fine, I'll just slot this. And I don't think he had, like, a clean made basketball tournament. I think every shot he takes, like, bounces on the ring 16 times and then drops in. Um, but, yeah, I don't know, man. I think Sassery just looked a dimension short outside of, hey, our big guys will finish inside. That was kind of their whole thing. And... I think maybe that was where the Lapui mobility came into their advantage was they were like, we can at least take that away while we figure out what we're doing ourselves. And it wasn't exactly Lapui figuring out because they did score 92 points against Sasori, So,
0: Yeah, for sure. They scored 26 in three different quarters.
1: Yeah. I saw, I, Which is
0: I, just like, that that means nothing. It's just interesting that well, you had three quarters in a row where you, like, you're like you getting over 100 unless you have that dip.
1: Like, Yeah it's um i think the three quarters were like 26 16 26 16 a slightly more even third quarter and then 26 17 that's that's off the dome because i sent that to ben fox the other day it
0: was that except it was the second quarter they won 14 oh, 13. sorry yeah that was it yeah it's just i happen to have the stats in front of me um but, this is i'm so used to us going through the absolute like minute details. When in our weekly roundup, that I just have stats in front of me, but it's more to be able to remember because it's a lot of basketball in a weekend, yeah. especially when I kind of like you dip in and out of one game, and then you're like, did yeah. this guy score this many against this team, or? And it, it was
1: also it was also like your one weekend at home in a while, so you've not been like religiously watching minute by minute every single game.
0: Yeah, man, I'm not going to lie. I for sure watch the games more meticulously when I have an away game. Like I have, this is the last weekend we're going to have off until the end of the season. So I spent a lot of time um, having a nice time with my (laughs) wife and my friends and I watched some basketball in between. So you'll have to forgive me, but yeah, no, I watched enough. So maybe it's more like the teams further down the list didn't get as much attention, but tried to watch all the the big ones because and is also interested in this stuff at this point. Yeah. Obviously. So
1: So is there because we by our own admittance don't watch the French league as much as well I say as much as we should but also like the second and third best teams played each other and it was a 20 point margin so sure. Um is there anyone from Lepuy because I think Wheelchair basketball elitism dictates that as soon as anyone who plays in Spain or watches any of the leagues sees a semi competent player, they immediately judge it on the criteria of how useful could this guy be in Spain. Is there anyone on Lapui who you feel like you're either impressed by that you didn't know about or you're like, hey, let's get this guy out of this French team that plays like headless chickens and get him in a real league? No offense, France.
0: <laughs> I think the two fours could do a job yeah I I think think so and like Joachim has played in Spain and done all right. like
1: that's the other thing I Um, I'm not massively impressed by Joachim whenever I see him he always strikes me as someone who like his game is a lot better in theory than it is in practice like, he's been Italy, Spain, and France at this point, and you don't really watch him and be like, hey, I remember that time he had a great game. I think he made the All-Star team for this tournament, but even then he was like... He did,
0: yes. Um, wow. So just for the sake of talking about that, the All-Star team was... Um, Sorry, Um, I should have had this. Spanu, uh, the two-pointer from Lupui, who was... Oh, is it the... Is it? Carlis Gabranovs. Oh yes, carly Gabranovs. Um, Joachim Lindblom, Robin Poganwich, and Christoph Bandura. So Since. we will we will give our all-star fives a little bit later on, but that's what they went for. Let's which um f- for a start is how many points?
1: Not many. Uh three three. Three five three three two, one, five. So nine and a half. Sp- Spanu is one, isn't he? Yeah, I
0: thought he was a one-five.
1: Yeah, Spanu's a one. Ah, Yes. He is. So Correct. Yeah, that's 12 and a half
0: points. Oh, that's good. Hey, use your points, guys. Which yeah, is. Spanu's like, a one, sorry.
1: We've been trying to um we've been trying to figure out our own um, all-star fives. I messaged you and was like, we'll do this as a quick segment. And then I think it's taken up more or less both of our whole days trying to figure this out. No, you said this,
0: and I fully just panicked because I was like, I don't want to just pick, like, a team that's three guys from one team that I know and two guys from another team because (laughs) our belt distribution has just been like, and the belt goes to this person James plays with. (laughs) Like, like, and I didn't even give the mind. Like, you were like, what about this? And I was like, yeah, sounds good. But, like, both times, like, I think every belt this weekend, apart from DeMiranda, actually, has been... An ex teammate of mine.
1: uh Javier Zar well got it as well, didn't
0: he? Oh, yeah, good point. Never mind. Never mind. Um, it's, only, it's only slightly.
1: Right. You, met,
0: you mentioned
1: Dimaranda, Miranda, and I've not watched a lot of Italian League other than the top couple of teams. So I think maybe I've been ignoring this. But watching Sassari, the obvious bright point of their whole team is watching dimiranda Miranda because that guy is a beast. Have you yeah. got any Leandro de Miranda thoughts other than the fact that Leandro is such a cool name?
0: Yeah, he averaged 26, 15, and seven for the <laughs> tournament, which is quite good. But like Gary Blue also had 32, 11 and 2. Yeah. But yeah, I think a team that's kind of top heavy there. I think even there there's a there's a step between Leandro and Gary Blue. Yeah. Like I think Leandro is kind of what makes things tick. Um Saying this, like Billy hand, handles the ball a lot and ends up with uh, ends up with a lot of assists every game. But I mean, in terms of like a primary scorer and creator, Leandro is great, and it's very cool to to watch him because I kind of haven't previously.
1: Yeah, he's. So I don't
0: really like. I've watched him internationally, obviously. I say obviously. I don't know if that's obvious. I've watched him internationally, but haven't really.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think I think it's interesting because like Brazil have obviously been all right for various tournaments never really had a massive breakthrough but I think internationally he's still the focus of that Brazil team and international teams generally have enough to kind of take him away and I think at this level teams still focus on him but most teams short of Champions Cup maybe don't have the size and muscle to deal with him like he was without a doubt top of every team's scouting report who were playing Sasseri, and he still averaged those numbers. <laughs> oh
0: yeah, yeah. No, he's he's great. Um, I think obviously the very top level like teams have enough to deal with him, yeah. both internationally and club basketball wise, obviously. Or else he'd be he'd have had more success. But I, a lot of that is your teammates as well. But
1: sure. Yeah, um, I kind of thought watching Sasori, uh Spanu's obviously been the same player that he is for as long as I've known him to exist, and he just hangs out and shoots the ball. But I feel like Sassari are kind of one primary ball handler away from being a pretty legit team. I know Billy does the majority of the ball handling, but I think Billy's. If always- you
0: replace that other two with like a a high quality two,
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think. Billy's always been like whenever we've played against him back home. He's always been at his best when he's kind of secondary ball handler slash spot up shooter. So oh,
0: yeah, Billy can absolutely knock it down. I gave him Madiba last year. His job was like come in, knock knock shots down. Yeah, and he did a great job at that.
1: Yeah, and I think maybe Sarsbury's lack of like creation for their bigs drags their bigs out to kind of handling the ball and shooting outside a little bit more whereas i think if you could get them one more ball handler maybe leandro likes the difficult shots but i also imagine he'd be perfectly happy being like hey you hold this and i'm just gonna rampage yeah
0: well i don't know i think both of their for both of their um, bigs are fairly like are, are, are fairly big fans of handling and yeah. taking tough shots and there's certainly no strangers to it so I wonder if even if you surrounded them with the absolute perfect team for them I wonder if they'd still be like you nah
1: give me that.
0: No, I want the ball in my hands yeah, but I think possibly. that's a thing that you could probably figure out yeah, you know, yeah, like it's it's no reason to like not give someone the tools but yeah
1: yeah no I think it, that is an interesting point though because I think De Miranda particularly there and we mentioned Spanu being more of a kind of catch and shoot guy it would be interesting to see if they, for example, couldn't get sec- another ball handler in. Giving Sasori a guard who's more of a dump-down threat, like someone in the Ishmael R role, for example, sure. is like, I'd like to see what that did for the bigs. I think they're a pretty good team. They're just one piece away, really. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's interesting.
0: Yeah, that could be fun. But do you,
1: do you we'll know see. how old Gary Blue is? Because I was trying to figure this out.
0: Um. Quite is what I've been told, but I, I don't,
1: I have no idea. Like, so the year that Porto Torres lasted, um, one of the Champs Cup prelims, he was at Porto Torres then. And he, I think that was maybe the year everyone was centralized in Sheffield because I remember seeing Abdi at that point, and Abdi was like, I cannot believe they've roped this guy back in and <laughs> he's playing again. So he must have been old at that point, and that was like four years ago at least. So, yeah,
0: well, there's plenty of older guys kicking around the leagues, but I'm very quickly trying to have a bit of a scan. But I think if it, I can find something.
1: I think it is funny that the older guys, gen, as like a general rule, because it's been like Roberto Menor in the past, who's not that old, but is like later in his career. It's funny that those guys play competitively for a long time, and they're like, "Hey, what's that? Sassari, Island of Sardinia? Yep, go on then." Uh, to be
0: fair like if any other job in the world was like hey thank you you have given us so, you've given us a, a lot of good like a lot of good years so the last couple of years before you retire we're gonna send you to go and work in the sun You'd <laughs> absolutely take it yeah um but yeah i, I don't
1: uh, over under is he older than salvador um Zavala from Las Rosas.
0: I'll go for under.
1: I think he might be older than him, but I'm not sure. Well, I if anybody
0: ask, because he used to play for Vigo, so I must, I must actually ask.
1: Right. Yeah. If anybody knows, do let us know because we, I think we could do with a um, a, who's about to retire and who's about to carry on sweepstakes. That sounds like a good segment. But yeah, I mean. Mm-hmm. Speaking of guys who may have looked like they were past it, shall we talk about the fact that Bandura made the all-star team?
0: Um, Yes. Um, Go ahead. I've just found something that said that he was 32 in 2011. So, right. so there you go. Okay, yeah. He's
1: 43. Fair enough. He's younger than I thought then. Maybe I was misinformed by Abdi or maybe Abdi never knew how old he was. Um, <laughs> either <yeah. laughs> it could be happening
0: but yeah Bandura very good very effective for them I a while back when they were struggling in the French league I say struggling lost one of the few games in the league that yeah. actually matters had a thought of like eh, can they get him involved a bit more than just kind of sticking him behind a screen on the weak side especially like if you're gonna stick someone behind a screen on a weak side as a spot up shooter you better be able to move the defence on the strong side yeah. to actually get the guy open. But, um, yeah, he got more involved. And I think, obviously, Yosef is getting him more and more involved that him can sort of spot up in the middle. Um, and you know, he's great. Yeah, Yosef's been coach- able to score for years, man. Like, there's no, like, no one's like, oh, this guy? Like, who's he? But <laughs>
1: Yeah, but yeah, Yosef also coached him for the last, like, two seasons at Raden as well. So, yeah. There's probably some element of Joseph coming in and being like, "Hey, do you remember that thing we ran? No problem for the last couple of seasons. Should we just try that?" Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think so. The to kind of join these two segments together, the Sassari and uh, Red Dragons game ended up being a 23-point Red Dragons win, but it was close for basically the whole first half. It was a one-point game after one quarter, and then um sassery came out and hit four or five threes in the second quarter and it was like what's going on here Uh, oh yeah
0: you messaged me and you said what is happening and my reply was i don't know i'm having dinner with my wife (laughs) which i was very happy to be like what's happening i couldn't tell you but
1: yeah then i went back and watched it i was like oh my god this is unbelievable yeah and it was it was weird because under that barrage i think spanu hit two or three threes in that run billy hit one and miranda hit one or two as well um and you were kind of like one point game going into the second quarter and then five threes being dropped should have meant that red dragons were getting blown away but you i went back and watched that quarter today and it's like why were they not falling behind and it's like because for every big three that um sasseri hit Bandura calmly slotted a free throw line post up with shot clock running down. He was like, hey, just throw it here. Nobody can reach me. There was also a bizarre stretch where Sassari would just, like, he, Bandura caught the ball above the free throw line and whoever was defending him, like, backed off him as if they were tempting him into the shot. And it's like, you do realize what is happening here. This is like, pushing a marble down a marble run levels of predictability as to how this is going to go.
0: <laughs> what, a, what a what a strange what a strange analogy, but yeah. Um yeah, it was it was strange. And once again, Red Dragons just up were they up 3 at halftime? Yeah, they were. After that big run and then they came out and just pressed. And it was like, okay, this is this is they were Yeah,
1: definitely. which
0: was which was a tough look, but once again, like I'm not I don't know. I hope me sounding so surprised that they pressed successfully isn't like a slight because it is, and I just didn't think I just hadn't seen it enough. Yeah, um, like they had the mobility in theory, but
1: well, I think I think it's a weird one because they they kind of run the press periodically in in France, but also like the team that they, as Mendel mentioned, that they are really targeting for the rest of the year is Lacanet, who presumably they're not hoping to press because no. Good luck with that. Um,
0: yeah, the two teams, and like even the other good team and well, the other better team in France being Lepuy, like, yeah, that's a tough, that's a tough ask. So I guess the thing is, we've never seen them press anyone that I would have considered to be useful feedback.
1: Yeah, sure. And I think, I actually think putting the press on Sassery was a relatively good move in the second half because, as we just mentioned, um, Gary Blue's been around for a while and Spanu's like, Older and mobility obviously isn't his strong point. And if you want to take two of the shooters' arms away by making them push full court against the defender every possession, it's probably gonna work out okay against an older team.
0: Yeah, well it did. So yeah, yeah that's yeah, that's people are here. That's, that's a good move.
1: So yeah, I mean, it's pretty difficult. I think my only question is we we've kind of rounded off Sasserie and Lepuy and i asked mendel this earlier is doesn't it feel like we should have got to watch red dragons in euro cup 1 which we'll obviously get to in the second part of this podcast but uh
0: yeah i guess so but there's plenty of that that i'll get on to like i think could have moved them up one Grand canaria could have done some work in champions cup mediba aren't even involved and i know it's because of the weird point system and there were no qualifiers this year because of covid and a certain amount of it can't be helped but like you look at some of this stuff and you think of the teams that are at home or the teams that are in one league when they could be a league further up and there's there's there's, I think, there's plenty of that, is what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think it's. Um, I mean, I never formally wrote it down because I kept thinking about it as it went, but it was like the if just to rattle off some of the teams who weren't involved in Euro Cup this weekend is like Mediba, Malaga, um, Sant Stefano, Giulianova. he has whoever you want to rattle off from various leagues around. The country and is if like, we haven't
0: mentioned you. It's not because we don't think you're good, it's yeah, because it's... we forgot and are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, like, d- don't tell us, it's fine,
1: yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it became pretty apparent watching this is probably the segue into talking about the two teams that finished last at EuroCup Cup Two. But it became pretty apparent when we were watching KS Pactum and KKTC battle it out that. We probably could have condensed Euro Cup one and two into eight teams across those in one tournament instead of thirteen teams playing in two tournaments. Yeah, and that for sure. would probably benefited everybody who was playing and watching. And I, I obviously don't hold it against the um, Turkish and the Polish club who saw the opportunities and went for it because they were offered it. So why would you not? Oh
0: no, like no, no club is at fault. Um, it's just. It's a strange, it's a very strange one. I just think, like, the points thing lasting for five years, like, there are clubs that don't exist anymore from five years ago that, like, you know what I mean? There's, like, right. English teams that haven't, there's, like, there's English teams that are in, like, second division that have the points to go to Champions Cup if they want. Like, you know what I mean? There's <laughs> there's a lot of weird stuff.
1: Yeah, I get um, it.
0: Which, yeah, I don't know. I think, I don't know how you should do it. Sure. Um, and I guess there's kind of a benefit in rewarding teams that don't like just blow up that like, Hey, if you stick around, you can be here in five years. I don't really, I don't really know. I just think, yeah, there's a lot of weird misplaced teams. And I do like some of it is not having preview runs from COVID, but yeah, sure. yeah, I um, is also the point.
1: I have a rule. I've, I know you love it when I invent rules. As I think about it on the podcast and have- I
0: love it even more because I guarantee that it's not like, it, like it's not solid. Like I guarantee you'd break it with a good example.
1: Oh, definitely. So yes. I you said when there's clubs that don't exist anymore, I was thinking about rodden because obviously they were in Champs Cup last year and then folded. Yeah. I, I think you should have to, in the case of rodden either have to schedule a grudge match against somebody like a number one contender match, and if that team beats you, they get your points and they take your place. Or you have to just put the points up for grabs and have like a separate tournament that teams have to pay themselves into and play an eight-team knockout to get your Champions Cup spot when you've folded.
0: That's hilarious. So you think that a team that no longer is like an official organisation and has the funds or the... Sort of framework to pay players should try and rope them in to go and play for this for free to give it away. That
1: is exactly what I think. You are correct.
0: All right, no problem. Imagine the levels are mailing it in for being like, "Hey guys, we got to defend this." Because then, what if
1: that team wins? Like, it doesn't this <laughs> next year? That's a terrible idea. Well, it it sounded good in my head as I thought it up while you were talking.
0: No, I do think like to be fair, your second idea could be um generously interpreted as like a wild card spot. Yeah. Which I'm, which I'm here for. I Although know. if you're like if you're the eighth team in Champions Cup and you fold and you give away a wildcard spot, but you don't let the team that won your league one the previous year <laughs> just, just that, like I, I don't know, I, but it's the thing is like I can't criticize the point system until I understand it, and I refuse
1: to understand it. <laughs> I don't think it's any good? Um, uh, I don't know. It's tough, right? We'll shift on a little bit. And we'll just touch on these because we don't want to take up anyone's time talking about the two teams that came in the last couple of spots. Um, did you take in anything interesting about either KS Pactum or? The team that we would refer to as KKTC, but the Italian commentators refer to as Kappa Kappa Tici, which I thought sounded pretty badass.
0: Me and Anna spent longer than I would like to um, tell you trying to figure out what Kappa Kappa Tici meant. We were <laughs> like, what is that person saying? What could this possibly mean? And you try and like spell it out phonetically and Google it, and you get all sorts of results about um about informants and this that and the other all all sorts of mad things but um just as the second half started and it was like it means kktc oh my god i was like yeah yeah thank god that is exactly what this is this is great
1: because italian uses the um
0: phonetic or the sorry no
1: well they, they use like the latin alphabet right but they there's no letter k's anywhere in italian words like the Italian version of the Latin alphabet is only 21 out of the 26 letters that they use. Okay. K is a Greek letter, so they're like, we don't use this. It can still have its Greek name when we talk about it. So it sounds wild, but yeah, Kappa Kappa T C sounds like I don't know, it sounds like some exclusive club you would like to be in. Like a, a student um sorority yeah, or something. Yeah,
0: you're trying to fight, yeah, we're trying to fight a frat or sorority, yeah. weren't you? Yeah. Um, uh, I agree. Um, now, my thoughts on both of these teams is watching them play against each other was kind of fun yeah. because what's his name? Philip Macho? Machko. Machko had, he played, he had like 30 in a handful of games, but um, when they played against each other, he had 32, 7, and 11, but someone in KKTC had 41. Yeah. Um, Which is just like any level of basketball. Give me someone going for four, yeah, and I'm on board.
1: We like referenced Euro Cup two as just like last man standing crossed wild west open invitational. And it's literally two guys I've never heard of who are just like out shooting each other at uh, but that is
0: very wild west, like some absolute
1: cowboys going on
0: just shooting. Yeah. shooting,
1: I love that. Um, my favorite thing about chaos pactum, I didn't realize till I looked at the stat sheets, but it's like just a family-run business because it's like coach Philippe Mochko, assistant coach Gabrielle Mochko, starting five Shimon Mochko, Philip Mochko, and presumably just some of their mates. It's like <laughs> it's like when Top shot taker is also a head coach. His presumably brother is a one who just screens for him. And then their dad is the assistant coach. It's like, man, these guys have got it down. I wonder how much they're paying themselves.
0: There's something really, really funny about a head coach also being a guy that shoots 30 shots a game. And like it happens in every, like it happens in the German league, but... Um, that just screams like, hey, I have a clipboard that says pass me the ball <laughs> yeah. in permanent marker, which is obviously not true, but I would love that yeah. so much. Um, but yeah, um, not a whole lot. I apologize.
1: No, yeah, it's cool, man. Um, this, the guy from KKTC, who you mentioned, Murat, actually, I haven't seen anywhere. Presumably, he's one of the 10,000 Turkish fours who they rotate in and out of their kind of when Turkey travel and they don't send the big guns, they tend to send like the up and coming guys in like preseason t- um sorry, prep tournaments for like internationals and stuff. I feel like I've seen him before. Um he's talented, man. I don't know what his deal is in terms of where he plays club wise. Um or if he's played for like any of the bigger Turkish clubs, because I know KKTC is on Cyprus. So maybe isn't the most convenient team to like have to travel elsewhere, but yeah, I don't know, man. Turkey just have a factory where they print out like ball handling shooting force. They've got like a 3D printer that makes humans with defects, I guess. Yeah,
0: sure. Also, if anyone heard a lot of really, really loud noises, I just knocked my microphone over, which knocked my um, water bottle over. <laughs> so that's what that was. That, fine. that was terrifying.
1: I think I was talking enough that it knew not to pick the sound up for you. Oh, that's um, good. Shall we do our all-star teams for Euro Cup 2? Okay, so do you want to go first? I will do. I will disclaim that I am half a point over because I looked long mm. and, long and hard at it, and I decided if they're going to go under, there is points left on the table for me to use, and I'm going to use it on what I think is the best representation of the tournament. I also have alternatives. If anyone takes great offense, feel free to swap guys in and out. All right, go ahead. So my... Five in points order is I went with Spanu because I think he gives Sassari a dimension that most ones don't provide, and I think that's pretty valuable. Mm-hmm. I went with Carly Skabranovs because he came off the bench for every Lapui game but had double figures in every game, I think, outside of maybe one. Yeah, um, I've played against him in one of my very early Euro Cups, having never heard of him, and I was like, this guy is amazing, and just as a tiny two-pointer posted up Terry Bywater, and I've never forgotten about it. Um, <laughs> I then went with Bandora for his turn back the clock weekend. Uh, friend Mendel, who was somewhere between solid and spectacular in basically every game, and yes. Leandro de Miranda, because we've talked about it already, he was probably the most fun single guy to watch the entire tournament. Um, if anyone takes any offense with that being half a point over, feel free to swap out um, Bandora for any of Robin for Mustafa Kortmaz, Joachim Lindblom. Or if you want to swap the Sassari bigs and go Miranda for Gary Blue, then feel free to do that. Also, correction section for myself from when we had Mendel on, Miranda is a 4.5 and not a 4.0, because if he was, I wouldn't be having this problem. That's yeah.
0: Yeah. So I went Demiranda, Mendel, Robin, um, Spanu. And then I didn't want to go half point under. And I was like, who's the two? I mean, I didn't want to go half point over, and I was like, where's the two? Where's the two here? Um, and so I basically was like, I, I'm gonna to refuse to go point uh to go points over. And I was like, you can either have um frank de jong and we're going to put we're going to point under here by the way <laughs> which is insane so you could either have frank de jong or it felt a bit strange to not have any Lepuy yeah. representation i think which obviously would be sorted by just doing what you did so i yeah. might just say i'll do that <laughs> um but yeah my original idea was go under and go Mitchell Braithwaite, uh, Mitch Bison on Instagram. Do you ever get you see someone's Instagram name for six months before you see their actual name? You're like, <laughs> oh, okay. Um, He was solid and he was plus 20-something in all the games that yeah. they won. Um, And, yeah, played well and said something very funny about Mendel on Instagram. What, so, did, he,
1: what did he say? I didn't see that.
0: He basically was like, always a problem on the court. <laughs> the nicest man I've ever met off it. <laughs> I was like, if that isn't the truth. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that is my attempt to get under points. Yeah. Um, but in that way I could go Bandy instead of Robin, but I think Robin was great mm-hmm. and kind of makes things tick for those guys um, as much as anyone does. Well, more than anyone else does, so I kind of wanted to
1: we should mention they... Um, so in real life, we read off the All-Star 5 earlier, which was Spanu, Gabronovs, Robin, um, Limblom, and Bandura, but they did an MVP separate to the All-Star 5, which was also Robin, which seemed a bit weird because I thought the whole deal with MVP was that you did MVP and then All-Star 5 separately is how it's usually gone. Um, but yeah, yeah I, I maybe it's kind of... Red Dragons having an embarrassment of riches and their bigs looking very good as a result. But Robin wouldn't have been like my clear front runner for an individual MVP award. But maybe the bigs look good because he makes that happen, which I think is probably a, a fair argument in his favor.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, like he was 13 assists, 12 rebounds, eight points in their game against um, Sassari. Yeah. And I'm going to vamp and vamp and vamp one until I pull up there game against Lapui, but he had a, oh yeah, there you go. He had a triple-double against them. So like, there you go. There's production in their two big games. But he also had mad numbers in the games that don't matter. But like...
1: It's also, my theory on the All-Star 5 for this, and this is just before we close this episode to move on to EuroCup 1, but it's really funny that just like by default, I was like, the bottom two teams here are so far below the top three that I'm fine just picking five players across the top three teams, and then we've pulled up the stats for Pactum and KKTC, and it's like one guy with 36 and one guy with 41, and we didn't even really give them any consideration. Yeah, we'll
0: get on to that in the other podcast uh, about EuroLeague 1, about whether if you go absolutely nuts and don't win a game, for example, or come fifth, or sixth or whatever whether that is value anyway and it's not your fault that you didn't do well versus do you kind of give it out between the three best teams but yeah well that's that's for League one we'll
1: get out of here then so this has been part one where we have covered EuroLeague two and join us for part two where we talk about EuroLeague one because that makes all the sense in the world
0: you know, you could have just named them and released them in a different order rather than cool. saying that, but mm-hmm. oh, I like it.
1: A little Easter egg for listeners. We need to get both of these out by 11.59. Otherwise, we lose our allotted time for our podcast cycle this month. So.
0: We better because I haven't had dinner yet. So we better <laughs> be
1: done by 11.59 or else I'm leaving. Right. Let's get out of here. Cheers for listening. Order. Catch you. guys. Part two, which will be available as you listen to this. So go check that out right now. Peace. Yeah. Mate